Welcome to the Resolve Podcast, the podcasting home for the teaching ministry of Strengthening Ministries Training Institute, or SMTI. This podcast is dedicated to making teachings accessible, which have been recorded over the last couple of years by the SMTI ministry. This particular episode was recorded as part of the annual conference hosted at Linwood Baptist Church. If you'd like more information on SMTI, Linwood Baptist Church, or ACBC Africa, please click on the link in the show notes. Now on to today's topic. While this talk was intended for fallen oaks, men who have given up on the storms of life, the principle applies to all believers who experience hardships. God shows himself in the storms of life. God designs the storms of life to alleviate our ignorance regarding Christ, the Savior. God uses storms to deliver us from our unawareness regarding our own strength and the power of God. Dr. Sabron de Swart uses Mark 6 verses 45 to 52 to point out that the disciples witnessed Jesus Christ, the Creator, creating bread and fish before their very eyes, and yet they did not gain any insight about Christ and the event. They remained unaware of the person and work of Christ. The disciples lacked understanding because their hearts were hardened, and therefore they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves. In this section, we will see that Christ knows when we form the Savior into the likeness of our own desires. We will see that Jesus will not live up to our expectations, but will rather expose those longings that will draw us away from Him. Jesus is the expert storm designer who uses them to rescue us from ourselves and put the focus back on the real person. He removes our focus on our misplaced loyalties and unbiblical expectations that are self-directed. The storms of life also shows how the Lord is after our hearts, our thinking, our wrong beliefs, our wrong desires, and our wrong commitments. Now here is Dr. Sabran de Swart on the topic of Fallen Oaks. What I want to speak on is, as this the theme kind of um, suggests in a very small way, Fallen Oaks, uh, we are living in a strange time in South Africa where many men are experiencing difficulty, sometimes because of work, um, but also, in our churches, we see many men who just lose hope. And they kind of give up. They don't move on. They, they are there, but they're not really active in the kingdom or in their families. And uh, they are just moving uh, along, waiting for time to pass. And so... Um, uh, what inspired me, the, the title, we were in London and we walked through Hyde Park and there was this oak that fell over and someone carved the, fall, the fallen oak and this beautiful bench that you can sit on. And I, I thought, oh, you know, that is such a wonderful illustration when we experience difficulty and we give up, we actually forget that God is in the business of using the storms, using the difficulties. So how can we give hope to people uh, who, are, who have given up and perhaps who have been active in the church, uh, even in ministry? Many 
ministers, many pastors who kind of bail out and they just hang around. So I want us to look at Mark chapter 6 and uh, I want us to look at from verse 33, just read the context of the passage and then we'll move on to verse 45. But just by way of introduction, uh, Jesus uh, arrives in an area, he went ashore, if you look at verse 34, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things and when it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go look. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. And he commanded them all to sit down by groups on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves. And he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up twelve full baskets of broken pieces and also of the fish. There were five thousand men who ate the loaves. I want to draw your attention to verse 41. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up towards heaven, he blessed the food and broke the loaves and kept giving. The word kept giving there means he, he broke, and as he broke, he kept giving. So what they witnessed was the multiplication of food in the hands of the Creator. Jesus was creating right there in front of them bread and fish. Now, this was, of course, there was a need. The problem was people wanted food. The challenge was, how are we going to give them food? And then, of course, this verse, the second part of verse 41, he kept on giving multiplication. We see here the Creator at work. Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 17 tells us that Jesus created the world. The world was created by him and through him and for him, and he holds all things together. And so they witnessed this. And if you think about ministry and you think about life, when we go through life as men, very often the Lord is in the business of multiplication just for us to, to, to live as fathers and to minister in churches. And we see all of this happening right in front of us. And that is what is happening to these men. So they, they are experiencing a great moment they're experiencing a great moment in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ where the deity of Christ is coming through very clearly. Most of the time it's veiled by his humanity, but there's this, this incredible awareness of Christ being the creator. Look at the verse, next verse. Now, Just because there's a division there, doesn't, it means it's happening at the same time. 
we find the famous word from the book of Mark immediately. This is Jesus stepped in immediately because there was a, he was aware of something that the disciples knew that something was wrong, but he was aware of it. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side of Bethsaida, where he himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of, uh, of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them, at about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea, and he intended to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them, and, they, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves, but their heart were hardened. As we come to this text, we are introduced to the high and lows of life. And here, in the second portion that I've read, we see the very lows of the disciples. The Lord is preparing them for ministry, but what we see here is that even though they had this high, they experienced the blessing of the Lord, they witnessed the multiplication, the Lord sends a storm into their lives. Very often we have people in our churches and in our counseling room where they come, they are overwhelmed, and there are storms that they've come and they think that those storms have got nothing to do with God. The point that we can make with them and try to encourage them with is that God is in the business of designing storms for us. Now, Peter was there as well that night. He was present. And a few years later, he wrote this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Or rather, sorry, that's the wrong verse. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, there's a word there called, it's necessary. Now, I've, some of you have heard this before, me using this verse in a sermon, who determines whether it is necessary? So Peter acknowledges that it is necessary sometimes for God to send storms into our lives. People might be overwhelmed, they might experience great conflict, they might experience um, just a sense of life just doesn't make sense anymore. They don't see those times from the Lord. But according to Peter, who was there that night, he says that if necessary, you have been stressed by various trials. That text helps us to understand something here and we can give hope to people that trials in come to us not in the same form, but various. And then also for a short period of time. You have been distressed by various trials. You've been distressed for a short period or a little while. And there is something that we can say to people 
who are overwhelmed. Our trials, the storms that God designs, are necessary. They are for a little while, and they vary. They are made up of different colors. It might be health, it might be finances. But one thing is true, God is in the business of designing perfect storms for us, for you and for me. Here's an outline, and if you have your outline with you and you want to take some notes, here is the the things that we can bring to people in the counseling room who have given up. When we experience the storm, we need to know that God in the storm has perf- is the one with the perfect wisdom. Secondly, when, when the storm comes, God is the one with the perfect knowledge of what we're thinking and what we're experiencing. He has the perfect timing. He come at the right time. He has the perfect power in relation to this storm that might seem to be going over us. He has perfect power. There's perfect peace that he will bring, and of course, perfect control. I want to come to the first one. Look at verse 45. Perfect wisdom. The disciples witnessed 5,000 men. That means the women are not counted, the children are not counted. Some commentators say there could have been up to 15,000 people. It says there in that text, immediately, in verse 45, he made them step into the boat. Immediately. We see here that there is perfect Knowledge Immediately, Jesus made his disciples, which means he's not giving them an option. And usually when things happen to us, it is things out of our control. It is uh, when, when hardships come, God has made the decision that it is going to be something we have no control over. This is called the providence of God, the sovereignty of God. It's good theology to remind those who have, uh, who, who have maybe fallen in, into despair that he has perfect wisdom. Look again at that text. Jesus makes his disciples step into the boat and note the word he made them. And he made them, he compelled them, he commanded them, he constrained them to get into the boat because he is sending them into a storm. They've just experienced this wonderful height. If you read the version or the parallel text in John, the crowds wanted to crown him. They wanted this uh, social welfare king. He's going to feed us. This is all wonderful. And uh, in order to prevent the people, Jesus sends the people away. The disciples are put in the boat. This is not going to work. There is other work that needs to be done. He sends them into the storm because Jesus knows that they wanted something that is not good for them. Very often we get very unhappy because we don't get what we want or what we think we deserve. They wanted to stay. That was the inclination. They, uh, can you imagine that? A perf- perfect church plant situation. Josh, how we battle with ministry and money and building funds and all that stuff. Can you imagine? And uh, Jesus doesn't say, well, let's stay there. 
This is just going to be perfect. No, he sends them away from what we might see as the perfect opportunity. And it was not their desire to depart. They really wanted to stay in that favorable situation. And the reason he had to make them step into the boat was twofold. First of all, it was the height of his popularity, of his public ministry. As I said in John chapter 6, verse 15, they wanted to crown him. But in light of those facts, Jesus had to make his disciples get into the boat because the last thing he wanted was a crowning. Because it would prevent him from going to do the greater work, which is at the cross. And so we see even Jesus submits himself to this, the right timing, which is, of course, our standard, that, that he would subject himself under the right timing of God for, for the great work. But there was also a second reason why Jesus sent them out. Can you imagine the prestigious moment and the popularity they would have shared with Christ if he was crowned? Obviously, they would have been the 12 footmen. They would have been the ones serving under the king. They would have been very important people because they are associated with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in God's wisdom, and this is good to remind those who have been sent out of very fortunate and privileged positions to remind them of the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is higher than our wisdom. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He makes them get into the boat and he sends them to the other side of the lake that is not the best suburb around the lake. He's going to just get them out of the church planting situation and get them to go to the western side of the sea. This is his perfect wisdom. Despite his outward success, what do we look for in success? What do we want in success? What will make us feel we have accomplished something that is successful? Is it when it's big and flashy and everyone recognizes it? It might not be good for us. God's perfect wisdom is that he sends us out of glorious moments. This is the best thing that can happen to the children of God when His wisdom determines that something is not good for us. And so He will put a distance between us and our so-called desire for that success. Even in ministry, we, we, we usually have a picture of what success looks like. In our marriages and in our work and our career, we think forward to 60, 65, and we have this picture of how it's going to look like. Well, Jesus is in the business of sometimes putting distance between us and that dream that we, that we want. We call this the wisdom of God. God's wisdom is greater than man's idea. So he intervenes. fact of the matter is, God knows our hearts before very often better than we know ourselves. Well, we know he does. 
and we, he knows we can't handle this kind of prosperity and handle success and have it and uh, because we will cave into these desires will be squeezed into the mold of the crowds they wanted to crown Jesus and they were going to give in and of course all those things are mixed in in this situation verse 45 says he he was sending the multitudes away uh, even Jesus is not happy with that because the multitudes were looking at Jesus not as a savior but as a universal provider he is going to give us so he is he's he's got to send them away it just doesn't make sense to us and I'm so thankful for this portion. There's a narrative that we can use in counseling to encourage those men who have... Look at verse 46. Bidding them farewell, he left and he went and he prayed. Interesting what's happening here. He himself was sending the crowd away. After bidding them farewell, he left for the mountains to pray. We spoke about it this morning at breakfast. The wonderful idea, while Jesus was ministering on earth, he often, he, he separated himself to pray. And, and uh, we have an example of a prayer of Christ in John chapter 17. It tells us what Jesus is concerned about, salvation and truth. And that God keeps his people and we see what his, his, his heart is for us. And he was going to do this work that was going to be a perfect work to bring us eternal security. But he is also still praying. Jesus doesn't only have, he didn't only have an a, a earthly ministry. He's got a heavenly ministry. The Bible tells us that now he is interceding for us, mentioning us by name. He is praying, he is advocating with wounds visible in the presence of God. He's mentioning us by name, he speaks good on our behalf, he's interceding for us, he's a mediator, he brings a hostile man to a loving God, introduce them to one another. Jesus' ministry is still continuing, and so he, he prays. He makes requests on behalf of the disciples. And for those who have fallen into despair, isn't that a wonderful thought for you and for me, that God is praying for me right now? He knows how to intercede for me. And the Spirit is interceding for us according to our needs. And God knows what is best for us. So he didn't stay to receive the crown, to be installed by his disciples as the king. He left, he prayed, and we see uh, that he sends them with wisdom into the storm. The second point is the Saviour is a perfect Saviour with a perfect knowledge. You've been listening to Dr. Saviour de Swart on the topic of Fallen Oaks. This was part one. If you want to continue to listen to this teaching, please proceed to the next episode.